Hello and welcome to the cast. We are super excited that you're listening to the conversation about life, culture, and Jesus. And we encourage you to like, share, and ask us questions. Please remember that the views expressed on the cast are those of the people expressing them and may not reflect the views of our church. With that said, enjoy your time. Want to do? Uh, want to do a segment of hot takes? I'm so down. Hot take: The 2009 Best Supporting Actor Oscar went to Heath Ledger, but it should have gotten to Robert Downey Jr. for his performance in Tropic Thunder. If Kawhi stays in Toronto, they will win again, hands down, no questions, no doubt. If he goes to the Lakers, he's a pansy. But I hear, thank you for, for the uh, championship. I appreciate it, Kawhi. I'm not prepared for the segment. I do have to think of something. I thought I could just respond to it, but I have to actually think of one. Pineapple on pizza is actually pretty good. Pineapple on pizza is terrible. Sam does not have good taste buds. Well, my girlfriend would agree with you. Whoa, on that what, what are you saying right now, Sam? I You're... think I'm too diplomatic as a psychotherapist to be able to take a hot take on anything. <laughs> if you guys have seen me in church, I will always find the most diplomatic answer for every single person. All right, Ivan, which worship song bothers you? Oh, this is hard because I, I, I can't. When, when I think of worship songs, I think of what purpose they serve. The, the diplomats Cue the coming di- out. Di- diplomacy, right? And I... All right, I, I, I have this one. Ivan, give me your hot take on Reckless Love. Um, I don't like the music element of Reckless Love. I can see what people do love about Reckless Love. <laughs> and I will use Reckless Love if I can see what purpose it serves. But it is not my favorite worship song. Here again is by Elevation Worship. <laughs> Here again. There's the hot take from Ivan. Hot take. That's as hot as it's going to get, I think, for It's Ivan. just a, a lukewarm take. How about this one? Um, given that you've had, you know real deal Toronto cuisine and you often tell me that it's so much better than our local KW stuff. What is the best KW um, pizza you've had? None of it is really all that good. Okay. Sorry. Wow. Oh, there's a scorcher. There yeah. it is. Um, what is the best fall place? Well, the least worst fall place is the place... <laughs> In, in 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 the basement of right across from the farmers market, do you guys know where that is? Yeah, yeah that's probably the one I would I do yeah, go I to like because it's quite yep. it's quite tolerable. You've taken me there before. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, now we know what we got to do to unlock the less diplomatic side of Ivan. Talk, Talk about, about food, food in Toronto yeah. versus KW. There's some good food here. Yeah, there is. So Ivan, uh, as a psychotherapist. And as a Christian, I'm sure prayer is part of your life, prayer and meditation mm. in some yep. way, or even just, just deep thoughts and reflections on things. Um, one thing that I like, I think is hard to ignore, especially in a tech city like KW, where people just have a lot of, you know, they're busy lives, but they also have a lot of free time to 
uh, enrich their soul in, in whatever ways they see fit. Um, you know, mindfulness meditation is a popular thing. Um, the, the true North festival happened a couple of weeks ago and there was all these like human recharge stations that we had where there was, yeah, there was mindfulness net meditation. There was yoga, kind of all these practices that are meant to make you more quiet, reflective, contemplative, whatnot. And obviously as Christians, we have the practice of silence and solitude. We have prayer. Um, we have fasting. We have numerous other disciplines that, are kind of meant to, they're kind of the original way of, of doing a lot of those things. Um, what role do you think that those moments of silence and, and stillness, solitude um, play in mental health and spiritual health? Oh, huge, huge. You know, I, this is an area that will get on my soapbox uh, at church and even in my uh, psychology practice, right? I, think we live in an age of distractedness as Pastor Mike over there is scrolling on his Instagram account. <laughs> Edit that out. No. Okay, guys. Right now, it's currently Tuesday, July 2nd. Kawhi Leonard has not signed with any team yet, and I'm a little bit waiting on the updates, so I'll just put it out there. All right. it, it was pretty important kingdom matters that he was texting and scrolling hey, about. The Lord has blessed us with a championship. Now we're just waiting <laughs> on the blessing of the person. That's all. You know, I, I read a lot of books about um, distractedness, right? And I had a professor that I, I really value my experience of learning from him named Professor Arthur Boers, who incidentally will be coming to Elmira soon. I want to see if I can catch him for a cup of coffee, right? Yeah. But but what, when I read um, Arthur Boers' book about how we don't have enough focal practices in our Christian living, right? Mm. We're always getting feeds into our brains, right? Of images. I think I posted this on my Instagram account recently on distractedness, right? Just how we're constantly just hyped up for information. And when we know that with the rate that information is expanding right now, you cannot get all the information you ever could, right? So I think there's a lost art in just sitting and being bored, right? And saying, mm -hmm. who yeah, am mm -hmm. I? And what am I really trying to do here? And what really matters? And what doesn't matter? I, I find we're, we're in a bit of a drought of just boredom. We always have to be entertained yeah. by something. You guys can imagine how social media is just going to keep me in business for a long time because it's very anxiety provoking. I, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, like I, I have, I have a social media account for my psychotherapy practice and I am constantly OCDing over that. Right. It brings me a lot of anxiety. Right. And I always have to just learn sometimes to go, no, enough's enough. How do I actually get away from this and know who I am, right? Can I just say that I love your social media presence, Ivan? Oh. It's honestly like enriches my otherwise, you know, generic and ang maybe anxiety provoking social media feed. Like it's just, just amazing reminders. And actually while we're on this topic, can you just give a plug for your social media so other people can enrich their feeds as well sure sure i it's actually hasn't been too long since i've been posting on social media but i advertise as ivan.psychotherapy.kw for the region whoop whoop what yeah, yeah. There you go. and right. um yeah I, i'd love for people to check it out because i love to be honest and authentic and real out there yeah give that a follow you know and actually and on sunday it's coming i'm talking about um conceit a little bit and i make it a, an application to social media because i feel like ivan's a really good example of how Social media is meant to be used as a place of connection and value adding versus a place of value taking and conceit, right? For me, yeah. So just plug in it. It's a good. It's a good thing for you. Um, and the idea of distraction, I agree with actually everything you've said so far. Just like how we, we we're almost afraid of boredom, 
I think. And we, we don't know, like people will say, I don't know what to do with myself. And it's like, well, just think, reflect, right? Can I add a little point to that? I think yeah. people, when they're afraid of boredom, they're afraid of themselves, mm-hmm. where they're afraid to just sit with themselves and go, wow, I have some accomplishment, but I'm flawed, right? And I need mm. Jesus. I think people can't sit with that, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, and I, I think on, and on, on maybe more um, positive trajectory too, it's just, it stifles all our creativity because mm-hmm. we're just always using our energies in different things. And, um, you know, when, when, even when kids are bored, right. When they get to the place of boredom, you're like, we'll just go find something to do. Yeah. Right. They have to kick in their imagination. They have to like, take these other parts of their functioning to a higher level. So I think there's just so much good with that sitting. And like, when I read guys like Dallas Willard, who you guys know has influenced me a lot. Um, he talks about right, the different disciplines that, that we have in, in the church, right. Those that are about adding to my life, but those are, that are about abstaining, right? Mm-hmm. And and usually it's about. And his when he was writing, he talked about a lot about getting away from the noise and getting away, right? And you know he now in this world of you know information noise and entertainment noise too, right? Like even more so than what he would have wrote about. How much more I think the abstaining disciplines are both more not more necessary, but but especially necessary. Yeah. And I find even harder to do things like fasting. Right, silence, solitude, meditation, like we've talked about, um, and even like I do think, in a weird sense, that boredom is a discipline of the soul, right? So like just choosing to not engage, because even for me, like as a pastor, I almost feel like I always have to be engaged, right, and on, and thinking and, and understanding the culture. But it's like there that need, there needs to be days where, like, it's 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 just it's nothing. It's silence. One of my old friends called it holy leisure yeah. on their Sunday. Oh, right? Holy that. leisure! Yeah, just that's a way better way of thinking about disconnecting, it. Disconnecting, yeah. right? And 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 I find too when I'm in the moments, I have to push through a little bit, especially in silent prayer. Yeah, right, because your your brain does go off. But learning how to kind of hone that in and say like some of these distractions that come up are probably popping up into my mind because I actually care about them in some way. There's mm-hmm. that level. There's also the idea we talked about you know, before spiritual warfare and the, you know the enemy does hate prayer and whatever. But I think there's also a beauty to that of like. You know, okay, why is my mind going here and pushing to the face? Because I found that when I can get unhitched um, from media, unhitched from these things, God does speak clear yeah. and, and more often, yeah. right? When I actually am doing that. It's funny because, like, I know that intellectually, but, like, sometimes spiritually I don't, I don't, I don't follow through on it yeah. when I know it's true. Yeah. So I agree, like, we need to detach from some of the stuff sometimes. And as Ivan has pointed out, um, you I, know. I wonder if we're going to end up talking about this more. I didn't plan on it, but I, I did walk this pilgrimage. I don't know if you guys knew this. I walked this pilgrimage called the Camino de Santiago. Yeah. Why don't you talk about that a bit? Well, it's mostly actually well known by Catholic people, like my Catholic friends. So I know but, it really well. <laughs> yes. But, <laughs> but as a part of my training at Tyndale, one of the studying abroad opportunities was walking the last hundred of like 2000 kilometers of the Camino de Santiago. I bring this up about meditation though, because one of the things that I was forewarned and I also experienced was the pilgrimage was so simple where you would get up and put on your backpack and put on like the one of two outfits that you have, put on your shoes, walk, meditate, and you have a meal and maybe have a glass of red wine with your professor, which was like the most delightful experience ever. Wow, <laughs> right? Yeah, and just like pick his brain and then hang out and then and then go to bed at the hostel, right? A very nice hostel, right? Um, and, and there was a simplicity in just trying to c- contemplate. I mean, this is before I had children, so I really had to, had a lot to sit with, right? And I went through a lot emotionally, even as I meditated, but point of the story of this part is when I actually came back from a pilgrimage and I went to the, my first airport, I mean, all of a sudden seeing 
the magazines about images of inadequacy and how I need more and more and more. Oh man, it was overwhelming. And it was really only then that I realized we live in this world where there are messages of inadequacy everywhere and it's so overwhelming, so much so that we tune it out, but we forget that passively we, we internalize a lot of these messages, right? Yeah. So it really helped me to reset my baseline of 10 days, no ads, no billboards. I didn't, I took my phone, but I didn't use it, mm. right? Um, to really realize, wow, how busy of a world we're in that I can't even hear my own thoughts sometimes. Yeah, 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 wow. no, 100%, right? And, and I think you said something too very powerfully about simplicity in our life, right? Like I think we've lost the desire for that simplicity, right? Even if I that, you, we kind of have to caveat what we, you know, only did a walk with, you know, some thoughts and then a dinner as if that's like, I know it's so abnormal, but like the fact that that's abnormal is probably abnormal. Because <laughs> right? that's how people used to live. Right. right? It, it was a simpler thing. And I think it was a, I think it's a 21 pilot song that talks about how he always plays his radio in the car. Cause when it's, if it broke down, he has to think about himself all the time and how that's like a problem. Right. And I just think that like we I would say that we don't even know often, and this might be a little bit of a hot take, but uh, what actual entertainment is anymore because it's all distraction, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's it, uh, most of it is truly, like even for me, like if I'm on YouTube or something, sometimes it's because like I'm interested in recipes or some like political commentary, but like most of the times it's, it's just distraction. It's just not... It's, it's choosing lesser things, right? Or, or when, when, you know, I was talking to, to some usually young men, but mainly cause that's who I talk to, um, <laughs> just in like spiritual counseling, spiritual yeah. direction moments. Makes sense. And how often it's like, yeah, but I just play video games. And it's like, there's a line where that becomes, you know, entertainment value. I used to play them. Like, it's great. I don't have time now with kids, but right. Mm. Um, to the point of like, no, you're actually distracting yourself from deeper issues and almost how, because we're busy, because there's all these messages, because there's all, all these opportunities, right? Like that we actually have lost the power of a simple existence and how actually like soulful that is. Actually, if you think back to like psychotherapy, I mean, I'll give you two examples. You can imagine the kids that come to me and sit, say we're doing talk therapy, to mm -hmm. sit and have a conversation for 45 minutes without looking at their phones. It's a very different experience for them. A lot of them have not experienced that mm -hmm. in a long time, right? But other than that, with the other kinds of therapies, it literally is just sitting with the process. A person might be grieving something and we, we cry about that. I can't check my Instagram feed when they're crying in front of me and I don't, I don't, right? But it, it's a very human experience to just mm -hmm. sit there and go, here's what you and I are experiencing in this moment. I'm not going to look at my phone so that it's going to get more comfortable. We're going to sit with the discomfort of this. Right? That's very true. I think people run from that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially the kids. Yep. Right? Yeah. Well, I find out that happens a lot with adults, right? Oh, like, yeah. Even in just moments of like conversation, how, you know, or, or how, like, because I like to watch people. Weird as that sounds, but people watch is always interesting, right? And you go to a Starbucks, you go to whatever. So I've got more conscious of this because I do it too. Is if like there's a delay, yeah, just pull out your phone, right? You you don't you don't, you don't just stand there and kind of observe the world and think, right? It's like I got to go see what's going on, and so easily we will just check into that. Um, and and even during like uncomfortable conversations, 
right? How it's kind of like, well, I'm just going to lean back and look at my phone and, and pretend to listen. Or like we just, we, we sort of escape so easily um, that I, I can imagine in a counseling session how much even more so that is because you're purposely entering to some of that discomfort, right? So here's my challenge to the listeners. The next time your friend goes to the bathroom when you're at the bar or at a restaurant, yeah. don't pull out your phone and just think about the things that you're talking about and be glad about it and be grateful. And how would that think be? about how hard that is, right? How yeah. automatic, right? I think like the the reason for that is because when you when you pull out your phone, it's like I'm going to go be somewhere else right now. It's like mm. I can I can be in a conversation and that's being somewhere, but I can't just be nowhere. Like you're in a space, but you're not doing anything, not interacting with anyone. You're really inconsequential to that space, and that space is I don't know. It's not that the space isn't inconsequential to you, but you're not letting it just kind of. You're not letting, allowing yourself to be Let's present in that Let's go with that, that Sam. There's got to be more in there. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I heard this on another podcast recently, but just the idea that when you, you know, open up social media, it's like you are you are present in a in a physically in a room, but you are not there. Like you are you are actually present, but just inside your phone. Inside I would say your, psychologically, you're not there. Psychologically, you're not mm-hmm. there. Yeah, you're psychologically mm-hmm. present in this digital space, mm-hmm. and. Like, and then could we argue spiritually, are you there, right? Mm. Yeah, well, I think it gets to maybe different, you know, aspects of even human brokenness, right? Like, because why do, just asking that next level question is why do we need to look like we have something to do? Like, you, you could, like, like the reason why I say it like that, I think that's a bad way of wording it, but you said like, you know, I, I, I need to be somewhere. Yeah. Like, well, why? Or, or, you know, a lot of people do it. I've heard, I think I would tend to this sometimes. It's like, I just don't want to look like I'm alone in the room. Like I, like I'm, yeah. I'm there. I'm not just by myself. Well, why can't I just be by myself? Even if it's not true, but why do I care if someone else thinks I'm by I'll, myself? I'll tell you why. Cause I don't want people to come up to talk to me. I right? just want to be alone. I was going to say there's that yeah. one. It's like, I want to actually, I use my phone to block conversation. Oh yeah. Right? Say that yes. I, I'm distracted or by earbuds. this. Yeah. Right. I think there are two elements to that, though. I think one is on significance, mm-hmm. right? We I, we all know that a lot of us live for the gram and we live for the likes, right? So we're looking for affirmation from that little black mirror, right? Um, you know, shout out to that Netflix show, right? Like it, it is it is really that thing that that gives us meaning and purpose, which is very scary. It gives us validation for some of us, right? Yeah. And then on the other point, I did read, um, I, no, I listened to the TED Talk of Susan Cain, who wrote a book called Quiet, about how it's almost like for some introverts, their phone is like their last line of defense, Yeah. right? Yeah. Some introverts, they just need a moment to, to not have um, constant energy, human energy kind yeah. of around them, right? So so there there is an element of sensitivity to that. Right. I mean, I, I would say a book is a better choice. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also not going to be particularly sensitive because I'm a staunch extrovert, which some of my clients can into it and some of them can't. But I am I'm a huge extrovert. So I love being able to just sit there and talk to my neighbors on my porch. Well, right? you do that really well. But, but wouldn't you also say, though, like going to your phone, especially especially if it's going like to social media, that actually is a different kind of just human interaction. It's a digital one, but I still want it's still a real th- there's still this other thing. Right. That like. Even the introvert at that point is just craving a different kind than I'm currently in, which then we could argue is not being fully present in that moment, right? Or same with the extrovert, right? If they're checking it to see what else is going on around, it's like, I can't actually be here. Um, and this idea of presence, may, maybe it's actually a, a kind of conversation to have. Like, like, can we be actually where we are? Yeah. 
Ivan, where does like this kind of pulls back to just your psychotherapy practice, but what you touched on about being an extrovert in that is interesting because we talked about this many times, but um, like that obviously being someone who listens a lot, like that must be somewhat difficult for you. Does your mind wander to other places when you're kind of in those spaces? I would say it's not because my mind wanders to other places yeah. that, 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 or how do I put this? I, I wouldn't say it's because I'm an extrovert that my mind wants to other places. Like okay. my mind wants to other places. Like, did I change my baby's diaper before yeah. I left? You know, did I take out the fish to defrost or, you know, the nutritional yeast for my vegan listeners, right? To, <laughs> to sit on the counter. Right. Um, you know, like I, I'm thinking more about that. What's hard for me as an, an extrovert is being someone's download machine, right? right? Like when someone is, when I'm doing talk therapy with someone and they're, they're sharing and they're sharing, I'm inviting them to share more. It's the dynamism is not quite there, right? Like a live mm -hmm. coffee shop conversation where I can weigh in and say, oh, well, this is, this is how I see it. And you know, like I really have to go with what my clients give me, right? Yeah, so I wonder, I just wonder, the reason I asked that I guess is I wonder if it's easy for certain personality types to withdraw, you know, their presence from a from a physical space like where certain personality types would be more inclined to do that because as an introvert like what mike was saying about or no what you were saying about going somewhere leaving the room to like go on their phone and get interaction from a different source like for me i like i think the reason i would do that is because yeah i am overwhelmed sometimes by talking to people and being right there with them and i would rather go keep my mind engaged, but without people physically being present. What we know about introversion and extroversion is that it, it suggests not whether you're social or not social. All mm -hmm. introverts and extroverts are social. It's more about how you get your gas tank filled. So yeah. this here doing the podcast, this gets my gas tank filled, right? Yeah. Like it's dynamic. We could have a conversation. It's fun, yeah. right? What does not get my gas tank filled is trying to be really small in the room, which most psychotherapists have to be, and, and really allow for the person, I'm going to get into gear here, to share and to say, help me understand this and not weigh in and not not even say some of my own, you know, personal, spiritual, yeah. theological beliefs, right? To really contain that, yeah. that's exhausting for me. I would actually suggest the person who's so tired from a social situation that they actually have to pick up their phone, they're actually just not getting their gas tank filled enough. They're not doing their huh. quiet times enough so that they can tolerate that moment and saying, okay. I can get my batteries drained a little bit more in this yeah. loud environment. Yeah. I would say the same thing to extroverts though. I think yeah. extroverts who can't spend a moment alone, right? They're, they're not spending the right times being social and investing into that and having good social interactions, mm -hmm. not just the cheap kind, yeah. right? Yeah. So that they can, you know, for me, one of my most valued exercises is to be able to bike to work, right? I don't listen to music. I love just listening to my thoughts and just going with the process and going with the flow of life, right? Like I, I crave those moments and I know I've done that when I've really found that right balance of, of, of socializing with the people around me as an extrovert. I definitely do get my batteries charged by uh, being alone. So I, I guess that is, I have to have to remind myself of that all the time because I, I would consider myself a social person. If I avoid social interaction, it's just because probably my batteries are a bit drained and I know that I don't have the juice left mm -hmm. to go engage in that conversation right now. I think that's an important thing to learn, right? Like I think Ivan said it right, is we used to have this idea that like being an extrovert, introvert means you like people or not. And but yeah, getting, getting your, your, your energy levels up, right? And kind of this in the same way, I, I, always, I was taught that it's like a bank account, right? Making withdrawals and making deposits. And, 
you need money in the bank to withdraw, right? And so when Ivan's there having to withhold himself, that's a big withdrawal on his. So he's got to make sure he feels somewhere else. And, you know, and for me, it's kind of like I'm, I'm, I ride the line of introversion, extroversion and on the Myers-Briggs quite uh, evenly. But I can tell when I haven't had enough social time because it, it's funny because I, I really, I actually can't do alone time then. Yeah. But if, um, but if I have a good amount of alone time, I can do healthy, healthy people time. Mm. And that's like the thing I write so quote because I can, because yeah. it's almost like I need, if I'm being unhealthy in my, in the way I go, I need sort of social time to both give me energy and almost like validation. Yeah. Right. But yeah. then I need the introversion time to kind of be recentered and refocused and be able to go and be healthy with the extroversion part of me and be filled. Like, so it's, mm-hmm. and we're all complex, but that's how I kind of experienced that gas tank moment. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Susan Cain and the Ted talk that I watch is not particularly Christian. So I don't know that I can like plug it at, in our, in our podcast, oh, you're allowed to. but the thing that I love about it is she clarifies that we live currently in North America in an extroverted world. We, we yeah, value yeah. extroversion more than introversion, which is a shame, yeah. right? Like yeah. if you look at the boardroom and like your, your typical large scale corporation, extroversion is valued, right? Yeah. Whereas I think innovation and contemplation and quietude has lots of value in all different spheres in our church, even too, right? We value maybe the host who's so bubbly and, and who can do that. But how about the person who's able to bring the person in and, and have you know, a prayerful moment or something. Like, I think there's there's lots of yeah. value in both. And I think we don't live in a world right now where we value introversion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think that we have theologies, right, of extroversion, essentially, in, in a lot of ways. Which is why it's, you know, I remember here reading an article. This was back when I was in the middle of a, a worship war <laughs> at a church. And it was all about how, like, the church is designed for extroverts. Because it's a lot of kind of like expressive activity. And mm. I think it has a very, it had a very, <laughs> no, but, it, and I think it had a very like old understanding of those two things. Cause again, an introvert can be expressive. They just, it's a different process in that moment. Yeah. But we all, and this is where I think the danger is, is what I've been said is true, but I think we can also misunderstand it to mean what we value is social butterflies and expressiveness. And it's like, no, that's not what we're saying. Cause it's it's not that's not what extroversion is, right? Yeah. Extroversion is that I'm I'm I don't have to I actually get replenished in those moments of social like so I'm more likely to be there, right? And 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 that that introvert who I just I just need my moments to process this and sit there and be like we we almost think that that is a withdrawal. We think that's like a almost like a a fear thing or a weak thing when yeah. we just need to recognize the process that is involved in this versus the personality type of a person. Well. Yeah, I agree. I, the process is so important. And I think I've just learned this a lot just from hanging out with you, Ivan, but like explaining out loud to other people what's going on in my head right now as they tell me something that it's hard to deal with. Like, um, like I was having a conversation with someone recently and what they said really um, came as somewhat of a shock to me. So I just didn't say anything for a bit. And I was like, wow, I'm, I'm going to have to really think about that. And I just kind of and sat with the discomfort for a while. And I think just making it like it's you need to communicate what's going on in your head, I think, because you, people can't read your mind. But mm-hmm. like just making it so clear that what you just said is going to require me to process a lot. And I don't know, you you kind of make space for yourself and make space for patience 
on the the part of the person you're talking to. I think when you do something like that, I think we all learn to express what's on our minds enough, right? But I think we also need to honor that some people are internal processors, right? I'm. Yeah. I would pin the three of us, Mike and I, as the external processors. We need to hear ourselves say something yeah. to kind of fit it all together. Some other people don't process like that. Some people need to kind of sit and go, okay, I'm formulating my thought. This is how I want to say it, right? Mm. Um, one of the drawbacks for me, though, is as a psychotherapist, I have to be an internal processor. I can't just tell someone, well, here's my CBT intervention and the EMDR protocol is what we do. I can't do that. I have to actually just do it. So that yeah. part's actually really hard for me. I really am. When we talk with personalities, that that's my left hand to do yeah. it that way, right? What's right-handed for me is just to be, like, process externally and talk about it and hear myself put together a thought like a preacher would. Whereas for me to go, mm, this is what I want to say is really hard for me to do. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I think it's honoring how God designed us, but also challenging ourselves to say, okay, but it can't just be left-handed. Yeah. I have to use both hands, right? You're right, right. So so Ivan, you're talking about how you process right now. Do you, does a psychotherapist need psychotherapy? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I actually just saw someone post this thing about how like if you see a psychotherapist and they say that they don't go to their own psychotherapist, you need to find a different psychotherapist, right? Yeah. I, I'm very proud in talking about my psychotherapy experiences. I don't think I've had a particularly traumatic past, but I have problems, right? And I don't think those problems take care of themselves. I go to Pastor Mike for counseling when I'm like, I need direction on this leadership thing, right? I go to my psychotherapist when I go like, I'm kind of broken about this thing, right? Help me take care of this with me. Help me take care of me with me, right? Um, yes. I really firmly believe psychotherapists need to go to their own psychotherapist, mm-hmm. right? Do you, would you say that it's made you a better psychotherapist doing that? Yes, because yeah. I definitely plagiarize them and I go, oh, that's a nice activity. Let me do that, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I sometimes will cite my sources, all right? Yeah. Um, and, and I also think uh, one of the things I'll commonly say to my clients is I don't do any therapies for clients that I haven't done myself, right? So everything that I'm okay, doing with yeah. you, I have gone through, Yeah. right? Yeah. Because I, I don't believe that I'm better than the things that I am offering, right? I need these things too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, I'm, a, I'm really big on that. I've heard though that like um, it can get very meta at, at the point when you, as someone who knows a lot about the human mind and, and psychotherapy and psychology even to go to that because um, my girlfriend is in college for counseling right now and she says when she goes to you know, if she's gone to do therapy or anything like that, it's, um, there's a recognition of what the therapist is doing. Mm-hmm. So it can be, um, yeah. When, when I see psych therapists at my practice, I charge them double. I'm kidding. <laughs> We're going to add that out, right? Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't charge them double, but I think it's actually just letting them know, yeah, this is a part of the process. Right. And you're going to go with that. Right. Yeah. So it's actually beautiful when, when they can do some of their own psychotherapy on themselves. Right. But I can help them take it to the next level. So in the last episode, we were, we, I was just talking about how, um, you know, like it's kind of like going into a car ride, right? Well, no one has their eye on their blind spot the whole time or in the mirror the whole time, right? Yeah. We still need someone to scratch our backs, right? Just like how I sometimes use the example of a massage therapist. There are just massage spots in my back that I can't reach. I need to go to my massage therapist to, to yeah. correct something, yeah. right? Just, I think we need that for our emotions, right? Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, and I think that's same of like any kind of, space that you're an expert in too right like mm-hmm. yeah like do you would you say like you need to go to your like you know spiritual director if, if you have one well i feel like if i go i like it's hard to it's hard to turn off the inner counselor in the sense of like i 
I know the right answer to this. I should be confessing. I should be doing this. And so it's hard to actually sit and actually receive. That's yeah. why, what I find most difficult is like if I would, but the thing is that if I was going to a therapist, this is, this is part of Mike's brokenness and interesting parts is that I would try to like guess what they're going to say or whatever. See, <laughs> and I would ask for what reason you do that, right? Like what place from, does that come from? I would ask, you know, like, does that come from a, how old are you right now, Mike? 20, 28 what? in 11 months. Right. Like I would, I would say, does that come from a 28-year-old Mike or from what eras in your life did you actually come from this place where I go, I need to know what's best. I need to know the next Oh, move. yes. We have explored right. the depths of that and my right? my soul work, 100%. Right? Like so, so I would say, even if you know what it is, it doesn't, like it, it's always beneficial to go in and explore that and go, I want to know this part of me. I don't mm. want this part of me to master me. Right. That's the most beautiful thing about psychotherapy. Like when, when my clients or whoever present a certain way, I go, this thing is probably not about me. Right. And I don't say that. That's, I, I wish I could process out loud like that, but you know, my inside voice, I go, this is probably not about me. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to try and be their mirror and just say, okay, I'm hearing you say this, or you're showing me this. It looks like it's about me. Like it looks like you're getting angry at me, but I want to look what's underneath that. Right. Cause mm -hmm. I'm not bothered by it. Right. And I feel you, I hear you, but what's happening right now, right? And it's actually very refreshing for someone, I think, you know, when the therapy connection is good, where they can stop and go, wait, what is happening right now? Mm -hmm. Am I really talking to Ivan like that? Is that really okay, right? So I think it's always good to know those parts of us so that they don't own us, but we own them. Hopefully own them for the kingdom, even better, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I agree. And that's, I think, the beauty of like, even, yeah, even as people who try to help other people all the time, receiving that help yourself and being able to, like you said, go through everything that you're going to help someone go through is powerful. Cause even if you know the right answers to the right answers, well, I guess in therapy, they're not the right answers. You know what I mean? But like you, when you can go through it, like you, it's still powerful. It's still like, no, but why did you do that? I know Mike, you know, that verse, but why aren't you applying it right now? There's still that reception piece to it that yeah. gets so real. And I think it's powerful when you can, when you, and I would say you, when you can submit to that process. Given where you've come from in your life, coming to a city like Kitchener-Waterloo, like what, what is this city to you? How do you perceive this city? This city is my home. That's what I would say. I, I, I just love it here so much. I, I think I would find it really hard to go back to the places that I came from. Right. And it wasn't always like that. Um, you know, shameless plug. I actually didn't feel like home until I came to this church. Right. Wow. Like when I felt like I had my people that I can I can be with. Right. And do life yeah. with like I I'd actually I did not feel like home until I saw my kids loving my church. Right. And, and I'm loving the church and I want to give more to the church. That's actually what made it feel like home. Right. Uh, and then there are little details of like my favorite food places and, and loving the nature in this area. Right. Favorite um, food place. Oh, I actually have a lot, as much as I like to kind of dig at Kitchener-Waterloo foods. Um, Bridge Uncle Tavern is good if you're looking for something fancy. Um, I will go to Bao uh, out in Waterloo. I do like that. Um, Jack Burger is like my favorite place right now. I need to such, go there with you. Oh, we've been they there they times, have yeah. Beyond Meat, Sam. That's what I hear. Yeah. That's right, which is my regular order. And it's a bit of a dive, but their drinks and food are, are good. Their burgers are good. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, are, they are good. Their fries are good too. They, they go for good fries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
How about um, the Yeti? Can we talk about the Yeti? Oh my goodness, love the Yeti. I probably need to start budgeting a little bit better for the Yeti. And the, my, there's a corner bakery around here uh, called Ambrosia, which I, Ambrosia Corner Bricky, they do really good stuff. And mm-hmm. Golden Hearth Bakery yeah, on King Street. Yeah. Oh my goodness, for all my, the yeah, bread. like uh, if you're not a vegan, I mean, they use lots of butter, but like it's <laughs> delightful, delightful pastries. I would actually say exceeding my expectations. I have come from a world of very, very good food from Toronto, right? Uh, I would say Golden Hearth. Golden Hearth, all right. Golden Hearth. How yeah. would you say the biking compares to Toronto? Now, I did not live in a very bike-friendly part of Toronto. I lived in North Toronto, near where the new C3 Toronto plant is gonna be. Mm. Uh, it was a great neighborhood for food and, and subway living, but like it was not a good biking neighborhood. Um, the biking here is fine, it's average. I mean, I, I know lots of other cities that are much more forward-thinking than it but i'm that crazy guy that will bike just because i i really believe in biking i think it's mm. a wonderful thing i think it's yeah. good for the environment good for god's earth and creation care and good for the dad bod too mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> right which i know you guys can't see it out there but definitely exists right for me <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, I've always enjoyed whenever whenever I get the chance to ride my bike with you, I always find some new places that I didn't know you could ride your bike or straight up didn't know existed in this city. But yeah, it's so true. You, you really, uh, I think you just get to know the city so much better on your bike. Um, as far as like socioeconomics, demographics, you know, the people in this city, what do you see? What's What jumps out at you? When I moved to Kitchener-Waterloo, what I realized is I lived in a very luxe part of Toronto, in North Toronto, uh, and there's actually a lot more visible poverty here and a lot more visible drug use and, and mental health difficulties, challenges for people. Um, so I definitely saw the divide a lot more. I mean, we also live in a tech city, so we have yeah. people that are kind of like privileged mm-hmm. and, and and very well off. So it's a very interesting microcosm of people. I, I live in a neighborhood where I wouldn't say people are a lux, but people are pretty stable and there is this drought of spirituality yeah, uh, yeah. issues, right? Where, where people don't need anything more than the stability that they built financially for their lives. Yeah. Right? So it's interesting witnessing to my neighbors when they really have it all, right? That's the thing that I, that I find, like there's just, it feels to me sometimes, and I work in the tech industry too, and like I went to school with you know mostly students that lived in the, that were that went on to work in the tech industry, and like you know that's kind of my people, my background, but there are times where I get discouraged because it's like I almost like doubt that I can offer them anything beyond what is currently satisfying them, like they seem so satisfied in what they're pursuing right now and what they're uh what's making them happy that it's like it's so i find that discouraging sometimes but that's also like why like it my ear like i hear that groan also like i i feel like these these are people that are that have a lot of influence over our society like where the wealth is like wealth is power and the knowledge is power, the ability to innovate and create new things and build this city, make it what it is. Like that's something that the church has to kind of tap into and access, I feel like, and an influence for good because, but you know, we, we reach the down and out and that's so important. Um, but I, I almost wonder if the greater challenge is reaching the up and out who feel like they don't need God. 
I mean, that's so well put because I work in a private practice setting, so I'm, I'm not working in an agency, a community agency where I can service a whole lot of low cost clients. I do have some clients where I can help where they come from more high needs, low cost kind of, which is great. I, I, I'm glad I get to help them. Most of my clients are, you know, they have extended healthcare, they're fairly well to do, but tell you what, these people have a lot of problems too. Yeah. Right. And I don't think we need to be our psychotherapists with our wealthy neighbors, uh, you know, to dig up all their emotional problems. But you're right. I love the, your language of that. Like, you know, that groan. Right. People still look for purpose and want to live for something. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think this is kind of like the the culture of the modern evangelical world that is always looking for Jesus to be the like emotional visibly emotional fixer if that makes sense like i i want you to i want to find the point where you're unhappy and then exploit that for the gospel yeah right yeah maybe that's yeah. where it's yeah. like we have to see the bigger picture the human story right where the good grace of god the, the the common grace theologians would call it right allows these people who don't know jesus to still be creative and brilliant and genius and innovative and um find a cause to get behind but it's the it's the cause behind the cause. It's the bigger narrative of their life, thinking like, you know, this is why we talk about a lot at our church where I'll say things like, God has a vision for your life, and it's to see you looking like Jesus. That there, there, There's this greater story for them that, hey, it's not just you being comfortable, it's you being free. And what does freedom mean, right? That I'm not bound to my desires and whims and my greed. And, and again, most often, too, most of these people, you know, that you'll look at mm. are greedy as all get out. Yeah, because they've been right? they've been sold like there's a story. Like, there's you a talk story, about this right? a lot in church of like I make a lot of money and I retire, and that's and if that's the standard, then yeah. I'm good. Like I yeah. I'm good. And I don't really need the God thing because God's a crutch or God's for the weak or God's for the intolerant or whatever story we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. That really it can't just be. A, um, this is where you know we've talked about as a church kind of this language that we just use, but the 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 down and out and the up and out, and and how we want to kind of like. Should I reach both worlds? And we've yeah. been talking about what does it mean to be in a tech outreach kind of yeah. mode or, you know, inner city kind of mode. And, and and just because the visible issues of the down and out are easily, more easily addressed, right? The up and out admittedly can hide it better. But again, it's it's the human story. Like we believe Jesus is the rescuer, right? Not only the forgiver, right? Yeah. That, that he is the healer, but he's also the deliverer of mm-hmm. the emotional p- pains and the whatever, right? And... And so I think we have to just see it in the human story of, yeah, you're aw- things might be going well. You might be just hitting it out of the park right now. But for us, the story still is there is a better way. And it's a more truer way. It's a fuller way. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's using my power for good in a way that's different than, you know, altruism that is not from God. Because we do believe people can be altruistic in a certain degree, like yeah. it's common grace, yeah. right? that they can use innovation to help solve an issue. But even you you sent me that article, Sam, that we talked about kind of two episodes ago about creating all these eco-friendly fashion things, right? Great desire, but actually not that helpful. Yeah. Right? So let's tap in. Like, why do you have the... Like, this is what Tim Keller does a lot with the idea of um, what's called an A doctrine and a B doctrine, right? An A doctrine is what we agree on, and yeah. the B doctrine is why we think it's good and where we might disagree. So the yeah. idea of like, we both believe that we should care about the earth. True. Mm-hmm. Well, why do you believe that? Why do I believe that? Right? Yeah. And does your B doctrine that supports your A doctrine that we agree on actually make sense of that? Because if you're, you know, a secular atheist who just believes we're a byproduct of blind evolution, 
then really what all that matters is I pass on my genes and in 50 years from now, well, the world's going to die anyways. Like, but if I'm a creationist who believes God made it with purpose and reason and we have to take care of it because we're stewards of what God made, my impetus towards creational care should be actually exponentially more. It makes greater sense of that story. Yeah. So then becomes potentially more of a philosophical, your ideas are actually bad. Right, kind of a thing. Right, this, like, this is the one place where like the Calvinists kind of have me convinced that maybe total depravity is a thing because you know without that story, you can find a ultimately selfish reason for mm -hmm. all the good that you want to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. We kind of got way off topic there. We were talking about Kitchener Waterloo. <laughs> well, but I think that that's the the microcosm of a city, right? Was it, was it you and I who were walking downtown when we just said how cities bring out the best and the worst of humanity, right? And, and I mean, that's true of the place where I come from in Hong Kong, right? Hong Kong is a place mm -hmm. of, the last time I was there anyway, very, very wealthy people, very, very poor people, right? And it's so visible, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. And, and the shows, talent, right? right? Mm -hmm. The thing that get produced is amazing. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, the brokenness, like, the thing is, I didn't even realize how dark, as weird as that is, like Kitchener-Waterloo is until I actually met Brayden. Um, he's the guy that comes to our church and he's a paramedic. Yeah. Telling me all the, the calls he has to go on. You're like, like, this is nuts, right? Like how much stuff actually goes on in our city that we are blind to mm -hmm. because everyone sitting around the circle right now is part of that kind of comfortable middle-class life. And we get dulled to that, right? And I, yeah. think, I think that's maybe the call of, of Jesus to often the up and outers. It's like we are dulled dulled to real life because we are so convinced of self-consumption that like to hear sacrifice to hear generosity and, and not in like hey i gave 0.5 percent of my income so i'm like a good person but like sacrificially living and and the simplicity of the gospel actually is that confronting story the waking up right like because they would not say and i think we would be unwise to rail at them and say you know you're just you know bunch of evil sinners you need the grace of god yeah right yeah, that's not it, helpful, i'm not saying it's not true because yeah. that's our theology we need outside of the grace of god we are caught lost in sin but it's like wake up like there's more to this life than than what you're living and it's a better life and a truer life and a deeper life and i kind of said this on sunday mornings it's a truly human life right that does come through forgiveness and i'm not saying we don't say that but when, when i'm in, engaging in a conversation with someone like that it's like hey but have you thought about this other thing this story this narrative or why do you believe that about that and trying to engage in that world and i think the comforts of a tech life of a tech city actually lend way more to the philosophical yeah. questions right than the basic needs of you know, hunger and food. Well, and, yeah, it's just right? like, what's it all for at the end of the day? Like, and ultimately the answer, like I'm convinced is just for like more status, more wealth, more power. Like that, that is what it all seems to be leading to. Cause I think it's just become more real for me recently. Cause I, I took, um, you know, the ion just, just opened up and there's so much, you know, that is going to be where all the development happens now. And that's and where for all our the, listeners, that's the light rail. That that's just the light up. rail. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like that's where all the, the luxury condos are now going to go along that ion corridor. And, and everyone's excited about all the, you know, new companies and growth and activity and economics and, you know, like all this just amazing big stuff that's going to happen in Kitchener Waterloo, like has happened in Toronto, for example. But all I think about is, how many people are going to be displaced mm -hmm. and what's it all for? What's it all leading to? What, what's everyone pursuing ultimately in it? 
And if it's just wealth and greed, then I don't want any part of that. Like that's, that's awful. I want, you know, I want a light rail system. That's great. That's going to be, that's going to be environmentally friendly. It's going to take cars off the road. It's going to help people get where they need to go. But like just innovation and growth and wealth for the sake of it is sinful, honestly. It's self-serving. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the motivation piece, right? Because innovation is not sinful. No. Right. Creativity is not sinful, but why are you doing it? And where's the end? And are you considering? So like um, a couple of weeks ago, if you were at our church, you, we, we did a sermon on humility and how Paul says to do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, right? Which um, the way I'm explaining it on that Sunday, if you heard it, you would hopefully remember, but how like self-ambition here is really, it's all about power in a sense, self-promotion. The actual literal word is about trying to gain political office through like sort of manipulative or bad ways just to get yourself forward. Yeah. And then conceit is like, I love the old translation, the vain glory, mm-hmm. the empty self-esteem of just like, look at me and be about me and have me. And he says, do nothing from these things. But in humility, consider others more important than yourself. And then the literal kind of Greek image of that is to esteem kind of like governorship, to like mm-hmm. see another person and, and treat them as if they were someone of a higher honor status than you at all times and serve them yeah right and as the mode of operation now i'm uh, applying that to you know church and marriage but like extend that principle of christian thought out right like am i building this thing and you know campaigning and, and even you know going to my you know parades and whatever and my activism right out of any kind of selfish ambition any kind of conceit or am I considering the needs of the other more important than myself? Yeah. Is that the, and, and is that going, and, and then he connects it to that's what Jesus was. So it's him, the incarnation. I, like, I wish I could like have four weeks on just that couple verses of what Jesus Seriously. did. And, you know, becoming the form of a servant, so right? Key. To the point of death. And, yeah. and he's like, and Paul's like, do that, mm-hmm. be that guy. Mm-hmm. Right. So even as we are tech people, as, even as we are, you know, of that middle class, you know, maybe even eventually pushing that up or one one day maybe depending how well i would practice goes right thinking about those things like why am i am, am i doing anything because he says do nothing like nothing in my life should be done from selfish ambition or conceit yeah like that's such a huge thing yeah right that like you just got to get over myself and then apply that to my business to my practice to my city engagement because this is the thing that when you told when you told me you, you we might talk about the city and i was like I was thinking about like, I love our city. I do too. Yeah. But how am I showing that? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, am I engaging with the issues on on a community level? Am am I doing what I do um, to try to benefit the peace and prosperity of where I live? Like Jeremiah tells us, or am I kind of like, I love my city hashtag. And then I just live my own kingdom. Right. And, and that's what I was like challenging me is like, yeah, I love the food. I love golden hearth, show and tell, um, you know, those are two of my, all my spots. Legacy, yeah, I go there for groceries, mm-hmm. full circle for the bulk stuff. J&P. Actually, I get the eggs at, at uh, full circle and they're so money. Good. They're so money. They ruined me for eggs. Mm-hmm. Ruined me. Yeah. Like you go and you open those eggs compared to like a grocery store egg, it's like pale and like color. Back. It's nuts. Right? I love all this place, but the fact that I was five years in and had no clue about the truly the depth of prostitution and sex trafficking... Mm-hmm. I knew about it, but what am I doing about it? Yeah. You know, the fact that I had no idea about the level of drug abuse that's devastating lives 
or seeing the people walk downtown and be like, ah, you know, I hope they get to that shelter tonight or whatever. Like, am I actively pursuing, you know, humility and the significance of others enough as I love my city? And like, what does that actually look like? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, 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 you know, yes, I think we should be doing our democracy and, and voting and, yeah. you know, mayorship and all those different things. But like, what does it mean for us to like see the potential? Because I know we've also said tonight that like, you know, there's a lot of dangers, mm-hmm. but then how much potential is there in the city? Like we, yeah. the reason why, to be honest, I like planning in KW, the church, is because it's a city that is going to, if not already, reaches the world, right? The technology that we yeah. hub and harbor Absolutely. and create here yeah. are on phones and, and, and in, you know, factories all in over airports. the world. Airports. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. you, you're airport all over the world, right? Like we touch the entire world through the city. Yeah. And like, how awesome is that? Right, yeah. like that we could have someone even in our church who develops the next app that could just blow up and for the sake of the world and for the glory of God, like like that is the potential that we have. And so that's why I also love our city, that mm-hmm. like it's it's not, you know, huge and like just like mind-boggling like a yeah. Toronto, but its impact is actually I agree. huge. And right? that's where I feel like there's such a strong call for us as a church and as just people of God in this city to try to impact it and that's like ivan that's why i'm so excited for you Mm -hmm. moving downtown to your new practice and just having that kind of presence there and uh even for myself like uh, i think god just laid on my heart recently that i'm supposed to try to go to those spaces with the up and outers like i just said and there's there's an Mm -hmm. organization here in town called faith tech i'm going to start attending some of their events and like i i've heard great things about what they're doing so far um you know developing apps that are kind of kingdom minded and Mm -hmm. and whatnot and just developing these great ideas so um like there are spaces for all of us to get involved and and really make a difference i think Mm -hmm. yeah i think being present is really important right i I think being actually i would also say physically Mm -hmm. present right uh like i've always kind of disagreed with the idea of suburban living. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a very opinionated thing. I, I don't, I think I have lots of friends that do happen to live in the suburbs. I don't think they're bad people, but I think philosophically it's a different thing, right? To be able to actually be like, a, you know, I, I'm a walk away from downtown, you know, I, I can bike to my workplace. I think that's actually important because I think we need to say this place is worth being, right? As, and and yeah. I, I believe a lot in my Christian life about incarnational living, right? That I'm actually physically here. I'm, go- I'm going to share this space with everyone and we can all coexist, right? And, you know, that, I think that's on a bit of a macro level, but even on a micro level, like when I am downtown with some of the people I've networked with or people I'm in the same circle with, I talk openly about my church life, you know, and I think that's important, right? That I say, you know, I prayed about this, you know, or like, you know, in my, in my church walk this Sunday, like I talk very openly about that and I'm not dodgy about it. Um, Mm -hmm. maybe with the exception of like my psychotherapy practice, I'm a little bit more discreet there. Um, Mm -hmm. unless if it's a client who we talk openly about that, right? Um, then I, I think it's important for us to actually, for, for people to get the right sense of us, whether that's in real life when they see us on our bikes or walking or on social media or whatever, like I think there needs to be consistency, right? Um, I think that's why it's important for me to, I guess I'm going to use an impact word here, but like brand myself as like a KW 
lover, right? Because I, I also don't want people to think that I'm here and just kind of mooching off of it for a few years until I can move on to the next thing. No, I love yeah. it here, right? Yeah, you me know? too. Church-wise, you know, work-wise, right? Food-wise, even. <laughs> well, that's actually the same reason why Emma and I moved downtown, right? Is that when we got a heart for the city, really, it moved beyond job to home, right? We're like, we want to be where people are. We, we, we want to be where we are ministering. And so we actually like, you know, some of you know the story, right? We sold our home. We're renting now to live downtown, to be there. We walk, I walk to coffee shops. And in some of it's, you know, all of it, you know, is intentional. But a lot of like the presence is actually part of the reason why I wanted to, that I, that we would drive in. And we actually spend a lot of time with Megan Ivan, where we would come in like on a Monday, drive our van from our little spot, park at their house, and we just walk together downtown. And we were like, yeah. we spend so much time downtown anyway. Like, why don't we just be present truly? And you know, now, you know, a year later, knowing the names of the shop owners and like having them actually have a relationship a little bit, right? Like it takes, it takes time and investment, but I think it does show a more than, more than a token appearance. It's like, you know, we're here. This is our community. I care about the safety. I care about the environment. I care about the feel of this part of my mm -hmm. town. And, yeah. and that's where like, I do think, you know, anywhere you live, you have to have that approach. Like this is intentional. I'm going to care for the needs of this place. Right. And then as a community, as a church, like we've said that we are a city church on purpose because we know that not everybody is embodied where we are, but we're all embodied somewhere. And that in the, in the need of the city, we can try to hear that heartbeat. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love the idea of like the incarnation moving and being present in the city. And I like, that's why we did what we did. It's why we planned, why we planned it. Right. It's like just to show that and to truly love. And I've never been one for overt, like political engagement, but I feel like that's part of like where we need to move to even it's recognizing like we do want to make an impact on how it's built yeah. on, mm -hmm. on where this is moving. Cause we do think that our Christian values tell a better story, right? We don't expect everyone to believe them, right? Yeah. But, you know, we want to, as we said, you know, consider others more significant, right? Yeah. Seek their interests, not just my own. Like those simple principles and say, you know what? I don't want to talk that. I want to see that, right? And and having that. So I think that's so beautiful. And again, the impact of our city and having the opportunity we have to live here, I think is just, the older I get, I'm only 29, but the older I get, the more appreciated, I think. Ivan, uh, we've been wanting to have you on basically since we started this podcast. So it was amazing finally getting to talk to you. I, I'm, uh, I'm really excited to share these two episodes with all of our listeners. I think people are really going to respond to them. So um, thank you for your time. Thank you for all that you do in our church and in mm -hmm. our community. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, we just want to honor you that way. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. It, it, it comes uh, naturally when it's such a delightful process. Not without difficulty but uh it feels good for for us to be able to do life together this way right yeah for sure i mean yeah you're probably some of my best conversations have been with you so mm -hmm. it follows that you are uh 
a natural fit on our little program here. Oh, I'd love to come back sometime <laughs> if you guys will have me. So, yeah, I, yeah, I absolutely yeah. would. Um, I'm sure there will be topics coming up again where we'll be like, you know what? Ivan's perspective on that would be really valuable here. So this will uh, this will not be the last time. Definitely. And the next time we'll have to figure out, like, between now and then, who makes the best dumplings? Do they do dumplings in Kitchener? No, no, there are no good dumplings in Kitchener. There are good noodles. Good. Uh, Who makes the best noodles? That's what. That's what oh, we're going to try. Are you suggesting we get some takeout and like? Eat I don't know, but we, I think we have to do something. That'd be good sound bites. The slurping. And yeah. Things like that. Oh, I got a place for good Chinese noodles. <laughs> oh, we might have All to right. discover this. So, stay Let's tuned, folks. All right. <laughs>